Welcome to part two of our series, Two Words. Over the course of this phase of our church's life, we really feel like the Lord is uh, leading us in this direction, to go deeper relationally and make progress spiritually. And today we're going to continue to focus on this aspect, to make progress spiritually. I remember when my wife Sue Ellen and I were a young couple just getting married and uh, in our church and we were really thinking about we wanted to follow the Lord wholeheartedly and we really wanted to look around and find some mentors, some people in our life that were farther down the road than us, that were really uh, following after the Lord wholeheartedly, that were willing and available and able to pour into a young couple like us. And at that time in our lives, we really did not have anyone like that. However, over the course of time, I found that uh, my devotional life was like having, as one author put it, a divine mentor. That even though we didn't have people at that phase of our life that were willing, able, and available to speak into our lives in that way, the Lord was actually doing that and doing that faithfully over the course of our walk with him. And that continues to this day. Even yesterday, this is how my journal started out. As I sat down to do my daily devotions where I focus on the Lord, it, I started out with the word help. I was a little bit frustrated and probably a little bit discouraged. And as I started out my day and was thinking about the things that I needed to do, the things that were on my plate, I just felt weak. And I wrote that word help. You might remember that help and thanks were the two words for the prayer that we talked about last week. And that's what came to mind, help. And when I wrote that, I, I, I honestly was not even filled with faith, thinking, oh yes, I'm going to pray help, and then God's going to come through, and he's going to turn this day into a masterpiece. That just wasn't the, my frame of mind at that time. And maybe this is a good reminder for you, uh, whether you're a part of our church or you're watching and you're a part of another church, that your pastors, your pastor's wives, your pastor's kids, their families, they're all real people and they have the ups and downs, the same kinds of ups and downs that you do. But yesterday, I found that over time, as the day went on, as I read God's word, as he sovereignly directed my steps, he led me to exactly the things that I needed to know and that I needed to hear in order to turn that day around and to strengthen me in a time when I felt weak. And it reminded me of this verse, John 16, 7, I think one of the most amazing things that Jesus ever said as he was preparing his disciples to leave for his leaving, for his death, resurrection, and eventual ascension. But in fact, he said, it is best for you that I go away. Now think about that for just a second. What a radical statement that was. Jesus, who had been walking with his disciples in the flesh, now saying, it's actually better for you if I go away. 
Because if I don't, the advocate won't come. He's talking about the Holy Spirit, the advocate, the helper, the encourager, God's very presence in the person of the Holy Spirit. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. We've talked before how God leads us through his word, his Holy Spirit, who inspired his word, and his people, who presumably have the Holy Spirit, who do have the Holy Spirit living in them, and uh, those three ways God directs us. And so today, I want to talk about how we get help. That's what we're talking about today. How is it that God gives us help? And in particular, how he helps us by leading us and guiding us through his word, and we, we especially the, the, the necessity, the benefit of having a daily devotional time. Because here's what I know, and this is the bottom line for today, that following Jesus makes life better and makes you better at life. So today as we talk about our daily devotional habit, what we're talking about is the habit of daily reading and responding to God's word. That's how we get to know God better. That's how he gives us insight, direction, and leadership, a big part of how he does those things in our day. Remember, he leads us through his word, his spirit, and his people. And as you establish the habit of reading and responding to God's word, then he is going to speak to you, lead you, and guide you through that. And today, I want to focus on <clears throat> two aspects of this process, and that's the title of today's message, to know and to do. Know and do. Those are our two words for today. So let's focus first on the idea of knowing. When we read God's Word, I want you to be looking for, what does this tell me about who God is? So we're not just looking for facts, we're not just looking for insights or principles, although you're going to find all of those things as you read through the scriptures, but in particular, I'm going to direct your thoughts towards what does this tell me about who God is. If we look at Jesus' teaching in John chapter 17, verse 3, it says, and this is the way to have eternal life. Remember our bottom line for today, it's following Jesus, knowing Jesus that makes life better and makes us better at life. And so we're talking about life. This is the way to have eternal life. And just a reminder that when you see the scriptures talking about eternal life, it's not just talking about what happens to you after you die because everybody is going to live forever somewhere. It's talking about the life that God gives us that's a different kind of life, resurrection life, a life that will last forever with him into eternity, but begins in the here and now from the moment we say yes to Jesus. So how is it that you gain this eternal life? Two, and then think about, well, what's going to come next? And I think for a lot of us, we probably think, well, it's probably something that you do. It's if you do these things, and if you don't do these things, then you get eternal life. But what it actually says is to know you. Jesus is saying that this is the essence of eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and referencing himself, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. 
So what Jesus is doing is defining the nature of eternal life is it is a relationship. It's a relationship, not religion, not a uh, philosophy of life. It is knowing God through Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. Remember, remember Jesus said that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's John 14, 6. So he's saying the essence of eternal life is to know God and to know Jesus Christ, his son, whom he sent to earth. Then the second part of that equation the, is the do. And this is our response to what we learn about God. And the question that this is answering is, what does this mean for me? There's a very famous passage that we'll look at from James chapter 1 that talks about the importance of doing. To not just hear, not just listen, not just take it in, but to apply it, to live it out. James 1.22 starts this section and it says, Don't merely listen to the word, talking about God's word, talking about the gospel, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. So what he's saying there is it's possible to watch church online all weekend long. It's possible to show up at church. It's possible to grow up in church, live, live in church, read God's word, be exposed to it day in and day out. But if you're only listening and not applying it, not living it out, not, putting it, not applying it to your heart, you are actually deceiving yourselves. There's something that uh, deceives yourselves. It's like sitting on the couch, eating potato chips, watching an exercise program. It's just not going to do you any good. And so you might feel better, feel like, oh, you know, I was really moved by that message, or that really touched me, or the praise and worship songs were so great today. But if it only is a listening exercise, then it's not going to do you any good. And it's, you're deceiving yourselves. And there's actually a dual meaning to that. Not only are you uh, uh, convincing yourself of something that's not true, just because I know something or just because I listen to something or I show it up somewhere, that that alone is going to do me good. It also has the idea of defrauding yourself, that you're actually missing out on the benefit of God's word because you're only hearing it and not applying it. If you want to have the full benefit, if you want to have the benefit, if you don't want to be just deceiving yourselves, just feeling better, then we have to do what it says. We have to live it out. He goes on, anyone who listens to the word but doesn't do what it says, just what he was describing before, is like someone who looks in at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. In other words, you look at the mirror, but it didn't do you any good because you looked and then you forgot. You looked and then you forgot. Immediately you forget what you look like. But in contrast, if you carefully look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, not forgetting what you've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in all they do. 
So let's look at this. It says to look carefully, to look intently, to be really focused, not just a passing glance, but to look intently. And that's what doing a daily devotional where you read and respond to God's word is going to do for you. It's going to focus your attention on what you're doing and what you're reading, looking carefully into the perfect law that is, it's complete. It is mature. It, it, it will give you everything that you need to set you free. Jesus famously said that you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Well, when you look at the truth, when you are searching for the truth, when you are discovering the truth of God's word, then that is going to set you free. It's going to have a liberating effect on your life not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it. It's then that you will be blessed in all that you do. Because as you know Jesus, as you follow Jesus, that's the idea behind following Jesus. He was inviting them into a relationship to get to know him. And following Jesus makes life better and makes you better at life. So what I'd like to do next is to introduce you into a process that allows you to read and respond to God's word. It's the uh, main process that I've used for over a decade, and it's called the life journaling process. Life journaling. And in fact, if you want the, not only just the notes to today's message, the growth guide, but I will also send you as well a little help that I came up with that's an introduction to life journaling and has a couple other helps that I'll tell you about. You can comment, text, however you want to uh, let us know. Just use the keyword notes and we'll make sure that you get all of those things. So the life journaling process is, has four parts to it and it has the abbreviation or acronym SOAP. Scripture, observation, application, and prayer. And again, uh, in this little booklet, it has that outline and tells you exactly what to do, as well as the reading plan that I will reference in just a minute, and some tips and tricks that will help you to become successful at sticking with and getting something out of the life journaling process. So let's just go through it step by step. Scripture. You're going to read some scripture, and then you're just going to write out what does it say. You're going to pick one verse from the reading. And the reading plan for the life journaling is one of the best ones that I've ever encountered. It has a little bit of Old Testament, a little bit of New Testament. It combines them in such a way that it helps you to make connections, to see connections within the scriptures. And so it is one of the best reading plans that I've ever encountered. And I know uh, many people use the Bible app and there is a life journaling reading plan and the first steps life journaling reading plan in the Bible app. So just search for life journaling and you will find it. In this little brochure that I referenced, it does have the first steps reading plan. The full plan goes through the entirety of the Bible, every word of the Bible. The first steps is the one I would probably suggest that you start with because it focuses in on the easiest to understand and apply and most important passages. It's abbreviated so it doesn't take quite so long and it's easier to get something out of as you are just starting. 
but you're going to start with reading the scripture, and then you're going to pick one verse that you can, uh, that sticks out to you that seems to apply to your life, however you want to choose that, and then you just write it down on a piece of paper, in a notebook, in a journal, whatever, and you're just answering what does it say. You're not interpreting, you're just writing the one verse. Then the next thing you do is observation. That's the O in SOAP, and you're answering the question, what is it saying? And here is where I would encourage you, if you've been doing this uh, life journaling process for a while, maybe for now, focus in on what is this saying to me about God, to focus on knowing God better. I know that I've been applying that lately, just uh, rather than just picking out principles or, or uh, the facts of what's going on, I'll actually look for specifically, what does this passage tell me about God? How can I get to know God better through this particular scripture? But at this point, you're just saying, this is what the scripture is saying. This is what it is telling me. You're doing an observation step. And then the next thing begins the do part of it. That is the application. What is it saying to me? If I know this, then what does that mean for me? How does this apply to my life? How can it be lived out? That's the application step. What is it saying to me? And then lastly, you write a short prayer. What do I need to say to God? You take the things that you've learned about him, you've figured out how it applies to your life, and then you're just turning it around and responding to God in prayer. Now this doesn't have to be a long, elaborate thing. Many of my devotional entries are just a sentence or two for each of these different segments, but it's helpful and important to write it out. The reading plan is great. Writing it out helps you to, to, to apply it and it's actually in the process of writing it out and thinking through it that the application really comes to you. And then you have a record and it just sticks better. You know what you've learned about God and you know how it applies to your life. He has mentored you through his word and his spirit. So what I'd like to do next is give you an example of how this played out in my life uh, just in the past week. Again, our bottom line, following Jesus makes life better and makes you better at life. And we've talked about how as we read and respond to God's word, he's going to show us how to get to know him better. He's going to teach us who he is and then how it applies to our life. So this week... I was listening to an online devotional called Pray As You Go, Pray As You Go, and it pointed us to a passage from the Psalms. It's Psalm 149. These are actually printed pages from my journal, and Psalm 149 says, For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He adorns the humble with victory. Let the faithful exult in glory and then sing for joy on their couches. Let the high praises of God be in their throats. 
And the devotional was pointing out how this is really a party scene. It starts out with the people praising God. There is music and dancing. And here's how it's described in uh, verses 3 and 4, New Living Translation. Praise his name with dancing, accompanied by tambourine and harp. For the Lord delights in his people. Now, what do we know about God from this passage? And that was my process. I was thinking about, okay, what does this teach us? And this one was pretty easy and pretty obvious because it's simply that the Lord delights in his people. That's what we know about God from this passage. And the devotional led us through that and, and uh, pointed out that uh, sometimes we don't think about God delighting in us, rejoicing in us. And so the question became, what keeps you from feeling like or seeing God rejoicing over you? And I thought about it for a second and I thought, well, here are some of the ways that I don't rejoice about me. I think I could do some things better. I feel like I should be smarter and more skilled in certain areas. Uh, you know, this whole pandemic and, and working through that as a pastor of a church, that has been a challenge and definitely showed me some of my weaknesses and presented some challenges that I needed to work through. And I'm sure it's been the same for you as well in your various aspects of, of your life. And so I thought, you know, I don't rejoice over me sometimes because I don't live up to my standard. I feel like I could have, should have done better in some respects. And then I realized a principle that I've actually encountered before, and that is that we often judge ourselves and judge others in the way that we think God looks at us. So why don't I, I, I rejoice? I see my faults and I, I don't rejoice in those. And so I think, well, God must see those as well. And he certainly isn't rejoicing over me in that. And we tend to look at ourselves and look at others through the lens of how we think God would look at and judge them. But then I came back around to this passage and it says that knowing us as completely as he does, he still rejoices over his people. And it reminded me of the very beginning of Jesus' ministry when before he had done any healing, before he had become a well-known teacher, before he went to the cross and died for our sins, the culmination of his ministry, and before he was raised from the dead, God from heaven spoke, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. You see, it starts with a relationship. This is my son. And because of the relationship in whom I am well pleased. Now, through Jesus Christ and because of his perfect record, because of the things that he did on the cross and dying for our sins and was raised to life for our justification, as the scriptures say, then his perfect record is imputed to us. And so whatever my failings are and whatever your failings are, after you say yes to Jesus, the, the grid through which God looks at you is through the grid of his son. 
that you are adopted into his family, not because of the things you have done, in spite of the things that you have done, because of what Jesus did for us. And so when he looks at his people, he delights in us. He looks at you and says, this is my son, this is my daughter, in whom I am well pleased. Not because what we have done again, but because we are in Christ. We have that relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. And so what do I know about God from this? I know that he delights in us, not because of who we are or what we've done, but because we are included in his son. And because of Jesus, because of what Jesus did on the cross, he delights in his people. In the message translation, it puts it this way. Why? Why is this party going on? Why is there a celebration? Because God delights in his people, festoons plain folk with salvation garlands. He takes us, plain folk, who are fallible, who fail in so many ways, and he takes that garland of salvation and places it on us. The salvation that was purchased for us through his son, Jesus Christ. And as a result of that, he delights in his people. He did all of that to include you in his family. And as a part of his family, as citizens in his kingdom, he delights in us. But again, this isn't automatic. You have to say yes. It says to all those who received him, talking about Jesus, to them he gave the right to become the children of God. And so if you want to hear, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, you need to be included in the son, Jesus Christ. And we do that by saying yes to him. We say yes to his forgiveness and salvation that was purchased for us on the cross. We are by implication saying no to our past, to our own way, to following our, our own way and doing our own thing. And we are saying yes to the lordship and leadership of Jesus Christ. And if there has ever been a time, not been a time where you have made that decision, where you have said yes to Jesus. You may have been listening. You may have been hearing for a long time. And now it's time to do. It's time to step out in faith and say, I know Jesus died for the sins of the whole world. Now I want that death and resurrection to count for me, for my sins to be forgiven, for my past and the guilt associated with it to be wiped away. I want to say yes to God's leadership in my life, to him mentoring me and leading me along. I want him to write a new ending to my story. Say yes. I would encourage you, if you're watching online, on the Church Online platform, you'll see an opportunity to say yes to Jesus by electronically raising your hand. Click that button that says raise your hand. And then beyond that, Click the next one that says connect with us because we want to resource you and we want to celebrate your new life in Christ. If you're watching on another platform, listening to a podcast, just uh, comment 
yes or text yes to our church number 603-225-2550 again because we want to celebrate with you and we want to resource you for your new life in Jesus because this is what it means it means saying yes yes to his leadership yes to his lordship yes to his forgiveness yes to new life in him I really believe that God wants to lead you and guide you through every day. We've talked over the past couple of weeks about how in Christ he has created us anew, he is, made, he is making us into his masterpiece, and that we aren't saved by good works, but we are saved for the good works that he wants to lead us in, and he's going to lead us in those good things that he has prepared for us because following Jesus just makes life better and makes you better at life. And a big part of being tuned in to his voice and is listening to his word. So I want you to establish and to establish the habit of reading and responding to God's word. Definitely get this. One of the tips and tricks that are on there is to pick the best time for you. For most of us, many of us, that's going to be first thing in the morning. I know that the first thing that I do in the morning is the thing that always gets done every day. But the best time for you is the time when you are at your best. But pick a time, sometime each day this week, where you're just going to read and respond to God's word. And I want you to read and write something this week. That's the challenge, to take what you've heard today and actually apply it and live it out. And you're going to need a notebook or a piece of paper or your iPad with an Apple pencil or however you want to go about that. But read and write something. Let me encourage you to especially write something. A lot of times we read something or listen to a podcast or something like that, but there's something about writing it out that makes it stick. And very often, I don't get the insight that I need until I begin to write and respond. And it's as I'm writing that I get the insight and help that I need. It's as Dawson Trotman, who's the founder of The Navigators, puts it, thoughts disentangle themselves when they pass through the lips and fingertips. Thoughts disentangle themselves when they pass through the lips and fingertips. It's as you discuss it and talk it out with people. That's your small group. It's as you write it out, as it passes through your fingertips, that those thoughts begin to untangle themselves. So I'm challenging you to read and write something this week. Find a reading plan, read some scripture, find a devotional, and then write out your response. And what you will find is as you read and respond to God's word, that he is going to speak to you. He's going to give you a daily briefing. He's going to mentor you, lead you, show him things about himself, things about yourself that you did not know that you need to know. And as a result, as you get to know him, as you follow Jesus, you will find that your life is better and you will be better at life. Because if he is 
if your heavenly father is a loving heavenly father, he wants what's best for you. He died, he sent his son to die on the cross so that you could be adopted into his family. And he doesn't want you to go through life without the benefit of knowing him and having his leadership and his insights. And he has laid out good things for you each day that you would be able to walk in them. So let's start our days. Let's make time every day where we can hear from our loving Heavenly Father. Get to know him. Spend time with him so that each day you know exactly what you need to know from him. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you have given us your word, that you have given us the opportunity to read and respond to your word, to get to know you through your word. And I pray that you would help each of us to rise to the challenge. It's not even that hard of a thing. It can take 5, 10, 15 minutes and you can get something meaningful out of it. Lord, I pray that each person that hears this message will be committed to doing that on a daily basis, just this week, just to get started. And then I pray, Lord, that you would speak to them, that you would encourage them, that you would give them the wisdom and direction that they're seeking, that you would help, and that just like that one-word prayer, help, you would answer it, because I know you as a loving Heavenly Father want to help your people. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us to rise to the challenge and that you would speak to us, encourage us, help us to hear exactly what we need to hear, help us to know you better as a result. I thank you for this. I pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen.